Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. In today's episode, I talked to Sam Flynn. Sam is an expert in social media and digital well-being. And I really enjoyed this chat. I took a lot away from it and I'm sure you're going to too. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I am sure you will. If you do, let me know your favorite bit on social media, at 10Q Interview, everywhere you may look. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. I make that request particularly if you get any value out of this one, which I'm sure you're going to. It would mean the world to me, and I assume Sam too, if you share this episode far and wide, there is probably at least one person you'll think of when listening who would benefit from hearing about what Sam has to say. So make sure to let them know. Anyway, enough from me. Now, on to the podcast. Sam Flynn, a very, very warm welcome to 10Q Interview. It's lovely to have you here this afternoon. I'm going to jump straight into question number one. You meet a stranger and they ask you what you do. What is it you're most likely to say to them? Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. And the thing I would say to them is I am a social media and digital well-being coach, trainer and speaker. So for the last 12 years, I've been helping businesses learn how to market themselves on social media. And then for the last year or so, I've also merged into becoming a digital well-being coach and trainer, which is focused on helping businesses with their digital culture and how they manage that, and also helping individuals with things like social media addiction and smartphone use. I was going to say that, are they those two roles are sort of almost <laughs> a little bit potentially opposite. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's a funny kind of mix because you could say they're polar opposites and that you know one's let's get on social media and the other one's let's leave social media but actually for me it's not about you know ditching the the digital world because how amazing is it I mean it's given me a career for the last 12 years so I'm never going to diss it yeah but it's about how do we manage our relationship with it so that it doesn't take over our lives so that it doesn't lead to a lot of the negative impacts that it's associated with such as you know, lowering our mental health, impacting our sleep, self-esteem, focus and attention, which is a really big one. So yeah, it's more about the conscious use of social media rather than actually sort of switching to telling people to get off there completely. No, which I guess we both know is never ever going to work. How do you, I mean, I'm going to focus more on the, on the yeah. wellbeing side. Yeah. Um, for a second but how did you go from being that sort of social media expert and getting teaching and telling businesses Mm -hmm. how to put stuff out to then I guess feeling like there was a need for that other side of things yeah it was a really sort of strange segue as many sort of new business opportunities are I think many people who have gone into business will tell you won't they that kind of came up by accident and for me it was very pandemic led so I started to get disenchanted with social media And I also found that, you know, as with many people, my mental health was taking a, you know, a nosedive during the pandemic. And I decided, you know, I'm just going to delete all social media for a month and just forget about it. So deleted all social media from my phone, had a month off. And it was like I steadily started to feel better again, um, which really started to pique my interest. And then sorry to interrupt. How how prolific a social media user were you before that month? Well, Quite, yeah, I would say really prolific, you know, I mean, it's my career for a start. So I have mm. to have a, a solid presence on there, you know, anyway, for my business. But I would say I'd also become quite addicted. Okay. 
and again I think that's quite a common thing during the pandemic you know um, I've got three daughters and my husband was one of the lucky ones who got to leave the house every day during the pandemic he works in construction so he went off every day to work for 12 hours a day and I was trying to run a business with three young girls at home mm. and it was just now and impossible without my phone and I think that almost led to an issue with my phone and it was permanently in my hand I'd become I'd got to that point where I was going from one social media platform to the next and round again and just going round in circles and scrolling mindlessly. And I'd started to notice it, but actually one of my daughters said to me, mom, you're always on your phone. And it was her that really made me think, God, yeah, she's so right. And I need to stop this straight away. I'm deleting all apps. And from that moment, it really piqued my interest. Um, my background's actually in psychology. So I did a degree in psychology and a master's in business psychology. So I think, first of all, it led to kind of an interest and I started reading books about it and really kind of getting into why it happens, why they, you know, why are the platforms addictive? How can we lower our use? What's the overall impact? And then one day I walked the dog and while I was walking the dog, I thought maybe I could help other people with this. So um, that sort of led me to to kind of open up this new part of my business, I guess, in, in digital well-being. Kids are a bit of a pain sometimes, aren't they? My <laughs> my daughter said something similar to me not long ago. I was like, oh shit, am I, yeah. am I that fart I dad who's not present? They know how to be blunt and also I just know. to put a mirror in front of us and make us see ourselves <laughs> straight away. How, how old are your daughters? They are now four, seven and nine. Okay. So yeah, they're definitely at that blunt age where they just tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything you don't want to hear. Yeah, they do. <laughs> okay, so... You were walking the dog and you, you mm -hmm. thought you were going to take it a step further. So that was, was that still lockdown? No, that was, I would say now about 18 months ago, I started to think maybe this is something I could talk about and help people with. And I didn't really launch it as a business as such as I just started posting more about it. Mm. Um, and particularly in the context of social media, because I'd spoken to actually so many business owners over the years who say the same things that social media is really overwhelming and they either find themselves sucked in and spending too much time on there or they just don't want to go near it as a business and you know so it started there really just posting content about well how can we manage the overwhelm and what are the negative impacts yeah and then I thought maybe I'll run a webinar on it a free webinar and just gauge what the interest is so I ran a webinar um early last year I think it must have been on reducing smartphone use and it you know, I'm a regular of running webinars around social media use, and this must have had about four times more signups than them. Wow. It just, yeah. And then loads of people that were on there just saying, oh my God, you know, this came at the perfect time. I need this. Like, you know, I'm spending hours and hours a day on my phone. And um, that, I guess, was the bit where I thought, okay, I need to but turn this into a business. <laughs> funny enough, that was going to be my next question was something around like, do people feel like they are, you know, are they aware of it? Yeah, most people are. Most people are definitely. And particularly, I think now we get things like screen time alerts <laughs> that tells us, you know, your average screen time for last week was five hours a day or something. Yeah, it, it brings it home, doesn't it? Um, I think there's a, probably a slight lack of awareness of the impact it can have. Um, so particularly, for example, focus and attention has been severely impacted by the digital world and you know, our ability to actually focus on any particular task now is dramatically less than it was many years ago. 
Mm. You know, I think the average is something like three minutes that we're actually able to focus now, which is just. Do you know it's insane. funny you say that? My I was watching my daughter. She's actually it's her birthday today. She's three, but she was oh, I was lovely. watching I was watching her on YouTube, um, a couple of weeks ago, and she was just like watching something, swiping, watching something, yeah. swiping, watching, and I was like, yeah, just watch something. What are you doing? Why? Why are you? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it kind of terrified me a little bit. She's three, and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, what yeah. impact is that? And just furthermore, I, I also saw a stat somewhere, and this was a couple of years ago, so it's probably either out of date or um, yeah. different now, but it was something around the percentage of people who would be prepared, the things they would rather do than give up their phone. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, it was bonkers what people it's... were, you know, insanity and yet when you ask to people when you say to people okay fair enough you don't want to give up your phone you'd rather give up whatever else Mm. um so what joy is your phone bringing you and that's the bit they struggle with you know actually it's the addiction you know and when you actually say well what fulfillment and joy does it bring to your life they go like Mm. well i like watching you know funny videos on tiktok that make me laugh and you know that brings me a bit of joy and like okay but if you're spending i mean the uk average is four hours a day on your phone i would you'd want to be getting a good level of joy and fulfillment from something that you're spending four hours a day doing. Um, well, someone, you... someone shared um, a, a report with me last week, I think it was about how much time kids up to 13 were spending on TikTok. Mm. And he asked me to guess, and I was like, oh, I don't know, half an hour, whatever. And on average, it was something like three hours a day insane isn't it which when you sort of dig deeper into that i mean obviously if they're at school yeah you know and then sleeping and whatever it's like it might have even been more than three hours a day now i think about it It i remember the number thinking oh my god it probably (laughs) was i know tiktok's one of the worst for addiction um and time spent on the platform i mean i actually put a, a video out on tiktok about this um that just so if you if you look at the average four hours a day on, on your phone, that's actually two whole months a year um, without sleep that we're spending on our phones. And so I made a video, on, I put a video on TikTok that highlighted that, you know, if you're a UK, average UK user using your phone four hours a day, that's two whole months a year you're spending on your phone. Mm. And the comments were four hours a day, as if it's more like 10 hours for me or Uh, who only uses their phone for four hours a day I'm on 12 hours a day and all of these comments you know and some of them were like man that's scary that's terrifying but a lot of them were young people saying what that's nothing four hours a day you know that's absolutely nothing and it's like wow it's I mean you know I'm just I'm partly grateful that we weren't in that smartphone era when we were kids you know and it was uh we got that freedom to spend four hours a day out on our bikes or whatever else it might have been. Does, does it make you think of it more because you've got kids? Yeah, God, yeah, definitely. I mean, my kids aren't of, of phone age yet, but they do have tablets and I heavily control and police it, which they get really irritated by. But I also make sure that it's not just like, right, get off your tablets now, find something else to do. It's like, right, get off your tablets now and we're going to go for a walk or get off your tablets now and we're going to do some baking. You know, replacing it with something that's actually an activity because I think now we can't relate our childhood to their childhood because we're in a completely different world now in the digital world. But um, if you said to them, get off your tablets, they put them down and go, now what am I supposed to do? (laughs) So you've kind of got to remind them of the joy in the world that actually they can, 
you know, do all the stuff and embrace. So it's, yeah. It's do, you, do you police definitely. it from a time perspective or what they are watching or doing? Both, both. So my, my kids have got Android tablets. So I have the uh, Google Family Link app on my phone. So it means I can turn them off. You know, I can I can block them wherever I am and wherever they are, <laughs> if, even if we're in different locate, you know, different countries. Yeah. Um, they are time limited. They are, if they download an app, I've got to approve it. Um, they're all, when I set up their tablets, they're set up with their age. So they can't act. So for example, with YouTube, it is age set so they can't see anything that's not age appropriate so youtube in our house isn't allowed during the week they're only allowed a little bit of tablet time during the week to be fair so yeah i am i'm probably like an annoying parent to them but i hope in the future they'll thank me for it and go actually you know when i look back of my childhood i wasn't just sat on my tablet all the time we Mm. actually did stuff um as a family so it's a tricky balance because you know in an ideal world i'd just rather they didn't have anything you know, and I did resist for so long up till this Christmas, actually, which was when they got them. And my eldest was like, everyone in my class has got a tablet apart from me. Everyone's doing their homework on their iPads or whatever. And I can't. And so, it, you know, unfortunately, you've kind of got to go, right, where's the balance here? I either say yeah. no and you miss out or I say yes. And we do it how I'm comfortable with mm. um, we, and we, um, educate them with around it as well. We, we bought one for my eldest daughter, who is five must have been I think it must have been for her third birthday or maybe fourth Mm -hmm. birthday and there was an element of it being a bit lazy parenting or a little bit of when you want to go out they're a handy tool they (laughs) are a handy tool and um, it's very easy to slip into that but we got to a point where she was watching it wasn't even age you know what's the word like um, Mm -hmm. age issue content it was just content I thought was just I don't know how to describe it. Just, it's, it just wasn't good for her, I don't think. Yeah. Like there's yeah. some some there's stuff that's floating around on YouTube that is getting massive, massive views. Yeah. I just don't like. Yeah. Um but where I was going with that is so we basically had to go to the shop for um for a new battery. <laughs> right, <laughs> okay. There's air quotation marks there for anyone yeah. who's um, listening <laughs> as opposed to watching. And for the first few days, you're like, where's my, where's my iPad? Where's my iPad? Where's my iPad? And then it kind of drifted away. And yeah. she was, she was, she was an addict. And she was, if you, if you wouldn't get a conversation out with her when she's watching it, like it's almost yeah. like the whole world didn't exist. Yeah. Total focus. And it, um, we had a few tantrums, but after about two or three days, she doesn't even ask for it anymore. She's not had it for, I don't know, four months or something. And I'm sure that'll turn around, but... It's great, yeah. It's just yeah. nice seeing the, the difference, isn't it? When they start playing with toys again. And, I mean, my my four-year-old's got a kin- little kind of cheapy Kindle that she, um, you know, she'll sit and watch now and again when it's chill-out time. But um, luckily, she's really into pretend play and toys. Mm. And she actually prefers doing that than sitting watching her kindle at the moment which i'm just hoping she keeps up because um yeah i do know a lot of families that you know their 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 four-year-olds don't play they don't play with toys they don't you know they get toys for christmas that sit in drawers and cupboards and never get played with because (laughs) instead they just sit every minute on the tablet so um yeah it's tricky it's a balance isn't it because they are such a useful tool there's no denying that you know without a doubt um 
you know, in our house, it's kind of like a Friday night treat that they can stay up a bit late, chilling in bed, watching their, you know, their Kindle, their tablet for a bit. And um, it's it's nice for us as parents as well, because it's like they're all chilling in bed, you know, yeah. they get an extra hour up, but they just think it's amazing that they get to do that. And it benefits us. Do they have to earn it? Oh yeah, there's definitely that's another actually that is another big advantage, isn't it, of tablets? Because actually, yeah, it's if there's bad behaviour, you know, we do things like if there's arguments, it's like all right, that's 15 minutes you're gonna have to go without. Um, So yeah, it's a great, definitely a great bargaining tool. Yeah, so it's a fierce balance, and you know, my nieces and nephews have mobile phones, and you know, it's I'm just starting to dread the day that my eldest is going to be of the age, yeah. the typical age, although some people in her class do have them to be fair. And she's only nine, but the age where it's like everyone has one and she's going to have to get one. is just today that I'm not really looking forward to, to be honest. No, I don't imagine. So, so from a business perspective, are you, are you, are you focusing more on adults with, with your stuff you're putting out? Currently? Yes. So, um, I'm go. I'm mainly focusing on adults because I think that's an easier in at the moment. While I sort of build up my experience around that, because I think adults are a bit more self-aware, aren't they? Some, some, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not all, but a lot of them kind of go, "Oh my god, yeah, what am I doing, wasting my life on this thing?" Mm. Um, and I think the more experience I get with that, the easier actually it'll be then to help things like teenagers you know, and maybe look at things like going into universities because a lot of schools and universities have talk around safety online. This isn't, and that is obviously hugely important, but this isn't necessarily about safety and, you know, avoiding the dark web and grooming and all of that kind of thing. This isn't about what I do. Isn't about that. Um, What they are kind of missing at the likes of universities and schools is opening awareness to actually the negative impacts that smartphone use can have on them emotionally and mentally um and even physically actually. and physically i was gonna say yeah and physically you know the, the head down yeah technic. always looking down the the thumbs the uh, rsi and the thumbs yeah. but yeah certainly mentally and emotionally and then the impact it can be having you know say with university students on results and that therefore the impact on their future as well so i think there's definitely a big opportunity there to to get involved with um, some schools and universities down the line. So how how's your business uh, broken up at the moment from what from that side of things to the social media stuff? What what's your sort of breakdown? Um, still predominantly social media. Would much rather it was flipped the other way, but having done social media for twelve years, that's what people know me for, and so it pays of course, the bills at when, the moment, right? Exactly. When the requests come through, I'm not going to say no. I don't do that anymore. So yeah, it does. You know. Predominantly, it's social media, but digital well-being is the the area that I would like to say in two years' time, it's gone so big that I don't do the social media training anymore um, or certainly deliver it in a different style that's more focused on using social media in a digital well-being way rather than just using it to market a business. Well, that's an interesting point then. So when do you ever have times when you're speaking to businesses and you're trying to get uh, do you do more strategy or are you doing more content or both or both yep yeah. so a bit of everything so working on putting together their strategy sometimes it's training them in things like how to create an instagram reel and then also yeah lots of content ideas so which is often what businesses struggle with it's not the how do i use it it's like well actually what are we going to say as a business that appeals to our audience helping them understand who their audience is yeah. uh, build engagement 
work the algorithms um all of that kind of thing would typically be what i would focus on so do you when you're focusing on that stuff does the well-being side ever come into it yeah As i in, can't like, help it now <laughs> yeah the worst i can't say help it, it yeah if they're trying to I mean, on one hand, you've probably got this founder who's like, right, I want to be on TikTok and I want to be viral sensation. I want millions of people to see it. Yeah. And on the other side of it, you're sitting there going, well, actually, that's, I don't know, does it not cause you issues? There is, no, not so much really, actually. I always, in intro to new people now, I always discuss the digital well-being part of my role as well. And right. we talk about things like that. You know, how can you manage the time effectively? So I will talk about things like batch creating content so that you're not, going oh I've got to go on LinkedIn or Instagram or TikTok today and make a you know a piece of content and put it out there it's like well hang on well, how about you just do one day a month where you create all your content for the month and then you know schedule it to go out and you don't have to think about it yeah. and also just like a lot of businesses are overwhelmed by what they see on social media so you'll get a lot of things saying once you've posted you've then got to spend 30 minutes engaging with posts yeah. in order to get your content seen and they go, well, I, really, I haven't really got time to that for that. So actually the digital well-being person who goes, well, don't do it then. You know, that's okay because actually so many businesses are wasting time on social media and not getting results. So, you know, it's like, well, if you haven't got time to do it, don't be fighting for this 30 minutes to do your manipulation. Is that, is, is of, that not part of the process though? Is that not paying your dues or learning or to a degree but it's balancing it with business needs I think that's the really important thing here and so many people do the kind of 30 minutes engaging which basically involves them barely reading posts having a fake interest in them adding a fake comment just so that they've engaged and as I say to people you're far better actually having meaningful conversations with five people who could be potential customers than 30 people who've got nothing to do with you yeah. um you know and, and don't become a slave to trying to beat the algorithm just put out good content and that will partly do it on its own engage with the people who are commenting on your posts and when you do have those five minutes in a day of course go on do some engagement um but don't see it as a prescriptive put a post out 30 minutes engaging must do this must become a robot to social media because it's just it's not authentic and it's when it starts to become really a negative experience i think for business owners yeah a couple i've got a couple of questions from that what's your what's your um social media channel of choice um mine i mean linkedin for generating business so okay. i get most of my business through linkedin um but the one that i would choose to spend most time on the one that i enjoy the most i guess would be instagram um i think you know, Instagram's got a nice balance now. It's bringing back more images, which mm. it lost for a bit. Um, and it's and it does deliver, you know, I do like looking on my Instagram feed. Um, LinkedIn, I can find a bit either frustrating or boring, I'll be honest. Um, but Instagram, I think at least brings some entertainment. Um, but I am obviously with the digital well-being hat on, I am quite prescriptive about how long I spend on social media every day. And I have a 20-minute a blocker. Um and don't go over that so it's um it's very yeah it's very kind of focused on what i need to get out of it you've um you've used a word a few times in the in the short time we've been chatting and it's kind of on my radar because the podcast that, that uh, went out this morning weirdly he talked about it but from a different angle but it was about overwhelm mm -hmm. yeah and i guess before we move on to the next question i'd be interested to know what tips you might have for someone who is struggling with overwhelm 
And I know that um, there's a lot of sort of digital marketing people who listen to this podcast, mm -hmm. of which there'll be lots of social media people. And I also know that uh, the short version of the story, so a while ago we were putting out a lot of content and it was based on the news. Mm -hmm. So we had this problem where I was, people in my team were watching the news all day, every day, looking for stuff to, mm -hmm. to comment on. And it was only when... She, I started doing it for a week because she was on holiday. I was like, oh my God, this is so depressing. depressing. Yeah, I imagine. I avoid the news. So I yeah, can't so imagine do, well, having, so, to, so do I. having I, to actually go and look at it on purpose all the time. <laughs> well, so do I, exactly. And I guess that sort of contributes. But I, yeah. I guess there's two ways to look at it, from the people who are doing it, but also from the employer's perspective who are asking their people to do it. Like, like I said, overwhelms a came up a lot in today's release and it's just i think it's something that we don't really think about necessarily until perhaps it might be too late until we're we're burnt out from yeah. overwhelm um yeah it's definitely a common problem now in so many different aspects you know if you were a business owner 30 years ago your marketing demands were nowhere near what they are now. You know, you were so limited in what you could do marketing-wise. Yeah. So, of course, everyone's going to be overwhelmed with particularly social media because it's free. And I think every business And everyone thinks it. it's easy as well. And everyone they? thinks, yeah, all yeah. I need to do is push out anything and it will lead to business or lead yeah. to results. Um, so I think, you know, it's really important to highlight where, look, look deeper, really, and go, which bits of it am I finding overwhelming? And which bits can I stop doing? Which bits aren't delivering? It's amazing actually how many people keep doing the same thing on repeat yep. and actually it doesn't even generate business for them. It does nothing for their business, which is, you know, just crazy. So which bits can I actually get rid just, of? Sorry to interrupt um, there. How do you know which bits, like it might not be doing anything, but how do you know where it's, you kind of, as you said earlier, being the slave to the algorithm where you're building yeah. up that foundation or that reputation to then you know progress how, how do you know the difference so well all in the measurement really so what's bringing me new followers uh what's generating business so if you're having a if you're engaging on someone's post and they're commenting back and it leads into business you know that that's working so tracking yeah. all that as it as it happens so tracking your results um looking at what content's getting the most engagement what's getting the least engagement be surprised how many businesses actually never look at that they just keep putting out <laughs> content <laughs> and i know just keep pushing out content and then they'll often come to me for training and be like oh nothing's working and i look and they've been doing the same content for the last 12 months and i think at what stage have you suddenly realized it's not working after a year of pushing out that kind of content mm. um so doing a monthly check-in with their social media what's worked this month what hasn't what effort have we put in? What didn't we do? What worked well? What didn't? Are we having the right conversations with the right people? Are we attracting the right people? Um, are we growing in followers? Are we declining? You know, and, and really scrutinizing everything that's happening through your social media, because that will start to highlight, well, you know, we're having, we're, we're engaging for an hour a day, let's say, and we're still not getting any more views on our posts and we're still not having conversations with the right people. So something has to change there. Yep. So yeah. So measurement is, is going deep really on everything that's happening with your social media and then, and then seeing what results you're getting, you know, things like using Google analytics, are people actually going and looking at your website from social media, which yep. again, so many businesses never think to look at um, whether it's actually generating web traffic, which is a, a big indicator that it's leading to, you know, interest and in customers. Um, so that definitely helps doing a bit of a deep dive into what am I doing? What do I hate doing? What's what's too much? 
what could I get rid of? What could I stop doing? And also probably doing a lot of the digital well-being steps. So things like limiting your time every day on there, because we definitely don't need to be spending three, four hours a day on social media to generate business from it. You and I know that. How about from a manager's perspective or where someone doesn't want to, you know, appear like they're not putting in eight hours on Facebook? Yeah, that's tricky when it's your job role. I mean, it's yeah. a really it's a really tricky thing. Um, and I would say probably try and convince them to get someone like me in to talk about digital well-being and, and running a positive digital culture in the business. But um, uh, yeah, and it might be putting in front of them and saying, look, I can do this in X amount of time a day and, and then require that switch off time. Yeah. I actually think for digital agencies and anyone that's plugged in, I mean, actually, it's more than just digital agencies now, but anyone who's plugged into the digital world pretty much for their whole working day, it's absolutely essential that they have breaks through the day where they're switched off, you know, where, so for example, encouraging them to leave their desk at lunchtime, uh, encouraging them to get outside, having software in place that, you know, a bit like when you're driving your car, my sat nav after X amount of time driving will say driving break due in 15 minutes, driving break due in five yeah. minutes. You need a break now. You know, it'll warn me, you need to stop driving now. You've been driving long enough. You need a break. And I think all companies should have that now built in software into computers and stuff as well. Just time for a 10 minute break, walk away from your desk, do some meditation, deep breathing. You know, if you're going to go really down the mindfulness or even just getting away from your desk, if you're in the workplace doing face to face meetings without technology in the room, it's really important. Technology is probably one of the biggest negative impacts on meeting success now because everyone's got their phones on their desk notifications going off someone saying oh, i've really got to take this call mm. leaving the meeting coming back in bring me up to date what from missed um people having their laptops out pretending that they're in the meeting but actually they're doing everything but being in the meeting yeah. you know so looking at the digital culture as a whole i know that's tricky when you're not at the management level but kind of starting to talk to managers about it and raise it as an as an issue and talk about I've heard this podcast episode about digital well-being. It's really interesting, you know, and is this something we look at as a company? Um, And just, yeah, I think as much, it's it's just really important that we open management eyes to it. And as with anything culture-wise, it starts from the top. Yeah, Um, indeed. So if we can encourage a positive digital culture in leaders, that's only going to filter down through the business as well. I'm going to, I'm going to, introduce you afterwards to Caitlin Rosario I don't know if you've listened to her episode but her business is about her it's called interlude and okay and it's basically building breaks into the day the working day oh brilliant but there might be some sort of um partnership thing you can do absolutely I think it's so powerful and it's unfortunately part of our current modern world isn't it that you know people are working through lunch times and and especially now hybrid work and working from home yeah you can it's too easy to just never stop isn't it yeah i guess so although or the opposite never start (laughs) or never never get dressed or never yeah exactly yeah yeah it's interesting it's kind of i guess it's interesting like you said it needs to be had the buy-in from the people Mm -hmm. at the top and i just i mean you'll know better than me i just fear that the, the guest on today's podcast point out because people are tough to put a monetary value on it because there's not really whilst we know it there's not really like data to say if you do this it will work out you know there's no ROI there and yeah that shouldn't be the reason you one does it but no but I think there's there's definitely ways we can convince that it will negatively 
impact um, employee output through mm. things like the obvious, you know, research has definitely shown that it impacts mental health, definitely shown that it impacts sleep, definitely shown that it impacts focus and attention. There's th- three things that if your employees are struggling with any of those, let alone all three together, yeah. their productivity and output is going to be impacted. And we've got things now like, you know, I was reading last week, the businesses that have trialed the four day working week are carrying it on because mm. there's there's been no negative impact on output despite people working one day less a week the business has not seen a decrease in output because people are getting time off more you know the switch off time and so they're more productive when they're plugged in and I think for all there might not be direct research that says okay when you take these steps here's the impact I think actually on a common sense point of view we can look at lots of other pieces of research piece that all together and go it's obviously not doing people well yeah, but that's that's your problem because not a lot of people have common sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other issue in life, isn't it? <laughs> but on that note, we will move on. Uh, Sam, so tell me, if you weren't a social media expert, social digital well-being expert, and you could do anything in the world, money was no object, what would it be? Uh, I just took me a bit of thinking, actually, because I think you kind of, yeah, you can go to all sorts of strange places with this, can't you? Um, I would have loved to have been a West End star. Um, <laughs> never had formal training, but enjoy singing, dancing, that kind of thing. So um, I love musicals, and yeah, if there's a song I'm singing, it's from a musical, and I and I do do singing. I've sang at a few weddings and things like that. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm possibly a West End star, believe it or not. <laughs> I think just... I've missed the boat now, but maybe one day I'll go, you know what, I'm going to go to theatre school and I'm going to become a West End star in my 60s or something. <laughs> well, in this day and age, you could just set up a TikTok and document your yeah, that's journey true. to do it. And someone will pick you up once you've got an audience. Yeah, that's really true, actually. Yeah, a bit of a docu-series on TikTok or YouTube and boom, maybe that's the way. Maybe when my kids are a bit older, because I think it would be a bit intrusive now to try and become a West End star in London. I live in Manchester and yeah, but maybe when they're, uh, when they've flown the nest, that might be, that might be my next career. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. Did you ever, did you ever sort of consider that earlier in earlier life? Not really. And I think it's probably part of sort of, you've always got it driven into you, haven't you? To, you know, career wise from school, it's never considered you could be like, on the stage or whatever and and I think the people who do do it are amazing that they just push through those expected barriers of what you should be doing in life um Mm. but no I never even I never even went to theatre school or anything like that I just enjoyed it sang lots of solos and stuff in in school did um did a production of cabaret in um when I was in university you know and just always for a bit of fun to be honest and then life gets in the way you have kids you you run a business and you just sort of forget about it but when I am on my own belting out the tunes I imagine I'm on that stage <laughs> is it is it primarily Encanto and Frozen and for the girls yeah but yeah. not for me no. <laughs> mine would be more like Chicago Cabaret that kind of style of uh, of musical do you go and watch um, musicals much again not as much as I'd like to really I do try to um Mm. get in a few uh get at least one a year um and uh again you know parenthood it gets in the way of too much sometimes doesn't it unfortunately or you let it I think that you know you can use it as an excuse can't you but it makes things a little trickier let's say you can't just do as you please anymore (laughs) I mean Manchester's a pretty artsy place there must be some stuff going on around there There amateur dramatics or there is yeah in my local um 
sort of town on the suburbs of Manchester, they do have a, you know, a sort of a dramatics group. Um, and I do sometimes think, should I go and audition? And then maybe it's as, as you age and you lose that confidence and you yeah. think, God, no, there's all these younger ones now who will, you know, be a million times better than I ever will be now at, at 37. But yeah, it might be something to explore. Oh, I'll give again. it a go, Sam. I'd love yeah. it. If, I'd love it if you emailed me in a couple of weeks. And went, you know what? I went for that. I went for that audition, and I got it. I got it. Wicked. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll look into it. Do it. Do it. Tell me something about you that not many people know. Uh, I was named after a parrot. I was named <laughs> after my uh, my grandma's uh, grey African parrot because my older brother, when uh, before I was born, and they said, "What should we call the?" new baby he was obsessed with my grandma's parrot he was called sam <laughs> and he said sam it has to be after the parrot sam so they decided i'd be either samantha or samuel but either way i would be sam and here i am so yeah random but true um and not something i tell a lot of people <laughs> that is i kind of i introduced that question it wasn't one of the original ones but that is definitely the best answer i've had for that <laughs> being named after a parrot well I thought I could go down some straight you know some kind of boring route of I don't know I don't even know actually because the other thing is I, I feel like I tell everyone everything um so I was a bit like what don't many people know I don't know anymore <laughs> you know <Yeah>. too open <laughs> is that I mean just changing the subject is that another kind of issue with the whole well-being social media side actually the the, the lines are really blurred about what we share with people yeah. these days yeah, they are blurred, but then the other thing to remember as well is most people only share their best lives and their best selves, and yeah. there is a hell of a lot that people aren't sharing. Um, you know, when we look at people and go, "Oh my God, they'll have this perfect life," and look at them going on holiday again and being invited to parties, and look at their amazing figure and look how beautiful let, they are. Let and me all ask this, you a question then. So, a lot of people say that, right? And everyone says that's a problem with social media and that's mm -hmm. you know everyone's sharing the best life and it's a highlight reel of you know what's going on yeah. let me ask you an honest question if you or i suddenly said right we are going to be warts and all on social and we were going to be shared you know the real downs mm -hmm. i mean we you know you've got your own business i've got my own business mm -hmm. you're a parent i'm a parent i'm sure we have very similar lows mm -hmm. where you know the kids have been up in the night or you know that invoice hasn't been paid or the things that really like get to you yeah and then you have your row with your partner because you know some all these yeah. things the real the real stuff real life world yeah do you think people would actually relate to that or yeah. do you think they'd go, oh so bloody negative or so boring or well i think if we all did it it would get a bit down on social media wouldn't it because it'd be a mm. bit like oh i don't want to know that you had another fight with your husband and uh, i don't want to know that your kid was a pain in the ass when you took him on a nice day out and they but that's, that's the problem throughout. right and so we don't yeah we don't do it i mean you know i'm a naturally positive person i'll be honest so i don't want to see anything negative on social media and i probably won't post and I, I say I won't post. I do sometimes, I'll be honest. I, I did during the pandemic. I posted a post that just said, like, I'm really struggling with this. Because I thought, I'm not seeing many people say they're struggling, particularly on LinkedIn, where everyone was like, I've pivoted my business. <sighs> I've made this work. Despite the pandemic, I've done X amount of sales this year and all this. And I just put on, you know what, this is absolute 
the worst period of my life, trying to run a business, looking after three kids, not having a moment's break from them. Like, actually, I'm hating every minute of it. And loads of people commented and said, thank God someone's saying it. Yeah, um, but presumably you would go into businesses, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but when they're asking you to help come up with strategies and content, and I, I would assume that authenticity yeah. is a big thing, right? That you... Yeah. And it is a word I hear time and time again. Every social media guru, every yeah. product, all it's about authenticity. Word, but according to what you just said and what I'm saying, it's like not, people aren't really that authentic. No, I mean, I think, you know, you can look at authenticity one of two ways, can't you? You know, I could go on and say I made a million pounds last year. I didn't. So that's inauthentic. But I could say these amazing things happened and they were all true. So that's authentic. Yeah. But I could omit stuff and I could choose to go that isn't going to go on social media I I think you can still be authentic but still omit some stuff you know as long as you're telling the truth of what you're telling so for that omission right it's not all roses well that's the point you are filtering right because you may have made a million quid but at what cost potentially right and I I don't know that's where I kind of think it's a tricky one I would love to be and listen I'm as guilty as anyone I'm not I'm not up here on my high horse at all and I would love to be, I mean, like, for instance, just this last week, I've been having real doubts about my business. I just, I just you know, what you think, I just, yeah. I've just had enough. Yeah. But I haven't shared that on LinkedIn because Maybe. in my it's, head, I was like, right, I don't yeah. want to say that because a potential customer might see that, go, oh, he's flaky. I'm not going to yeah, well, give gonna him business, give. which is in, like, a, a vicious circle. Mm-hmm. But there might be a fellow business person on there who's also... And do you know what? The, interestingly, the killer, the, the kicker that why I didn't haven't shared is I saw this post by a guy called Jay Klaus, and he was said that the email, his newsletter was titled something like, "I want to burn my business to the ground," mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he went on this spiel about how every now and again he's just like, "I've had enough. I don't. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah." And I read that email newsletter, which I will share in the show notes in case anyone wants to read it. And I was like, "Oh, I'm not the only one." Yeah, you know, I think it's every business owner, in fact, every business owner that I know, particularly female led ones will talk about the how your cycle can suddenly make you one day go, oh, sod it all. I'm closing it down. And the next day go, what was that about? Let's just yeah. crack on and get back to work. But um, yeah, 100 percent. I think it's how you word stuff as well, isn't it? Not like I want to close the business down. I hate it all. I hate my customers. I hate this. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you worded yeah. it all like that, then people would be like, OK, not going near that guy. But if if it was more as a question, like, have you ever suddenly decided you've had enough? Mm. You know, last week I thought this, 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 you know, this was playing on my mind, that was playing on my mind. Is it worth it? Da, da, da. Am I enjoying it anymore? Has anyone else ever felt like that? Actually, I don't think it puts customers off. I think it's the way we frame it, isn't it? As opposed to um, making I'm going to steal like... that, by the way. Yeah, there you go. I'll look out <laughs> for that post. It is, it is tricky because, you, you, you know we all have our social self and even before social media, you mm. know, um, as part of my, my masters, we did psychometric testing and got our psychometric testing qualifications and actually psychometric tests have to be designed to avoid the social self and how we want people to see us. So there's a lot of like different ways they have to word questions so that we're not just answering to become across yeah, yeah, how yeah. we want people to see us. Yeah. Um, because we all, you know, we all want to be seen as certain ways, don't we? Mm -hmm. Um, so, and, and obviously social media has just put that 
in a massive spotlight by the fact that we, you know, share a picture of a day out with our kids, but miss out the fact that... <laughs> they were screaming you know, all the way there. And, yeah, we had that yeah. one nice moment and took a picture and that's the picture you're seeing. But actually the whole day was a shambles and there was tantrum after tantrum and this went wrong and that went wrong. It, it, it's a really tricky balance. I don't think I'd enjoy social media if everyone was that honest, to be honest. You know, I'd be like, oh God, you know, I don't really want to hear it's about it. It's a fine line else. though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a very strange fine line. I don't know what the answer is really. But as a consumer of content on social media, it's really important to remind ourselves that that what we're seeing isn't actually everyone's 100% true life. Yeah. Um, you know, when the bigger picture is we're all just putting our social self out there and not the full shebang yeah it's an interesting topic isn't it and i think i mean you probably read a lot more than i have on it but i imagine there's research galore going into this stuff yeah yeah i mean it's a shame that the likes of um the platforms have designed things like filters really you know they've got a lot to be accountable for on on this as well you know if they didn't design these filters that remove every imperfection we wouldn't have this issue of people now posting filtered images or if, you know, Photoshop hadn't, you know what I mean? That all these face tune, et cetera, you know, yeah, now yeah. we're just looking at filtered people instead of real people. And of course that's leading to a lot of issues with teenagers and self-esteem and how we should look compared to how we look in real life. And, yeah. um, you know, definitely the platforms have got a lot to be held accountable for, I think. They have, unfortunately, I don't think anything will ever happen because they just... Not while they're money-making machines, no. they won't. Nope. <laughs> That's all mm. it comes down to. Indeed. Sam, tell me about one of the most pivotal moments in your life. So I kind of started writing down a business one, and then I, which I probably will share in a second. But I think the pivotal moment, and I think every parent will say this, was the birth of my first child. I think it just completely changes your whole life in an yep. instant. So when I was really thinking about what's been pivotal for me, that was it Um, and actually it was really pivotal for my business because up till that point I could work when I want whenever I wanted with no other commitments other than spending time with my husband Um, you know if I wanted to get up at 10 and work until midnight I could do that but obviously once you've got a child you're on their time aren't you yeah and then the big thing for me actually the reason I first started in business before I had kids was thinking that when I have kids if I'm running my own business I'm running my own time and I can do things like spend more time with them. I can take time off when I need to. I can, you know, be the master of my own time destiny. Um, and so when I had my first daughter, Ella, I, when I went back to work, I just did two days a week. And <laughs> strangely enough, made exactly the same as I made working five days a week or whatever did number you? of days. Yep. I just massively upped my prices because I suddenly there was someone there other than you know just making money for myself and my husband there was a child there so I just went you know what I'm just going to massively up my prices which meant I could do less work and earn more um so really pivot was a pivotal moment for me in business as well did you did you make that change easily from being not having a kid to having a kid and I what I mean by that is I found it really challenging that even though I knew I was, you know, yeah. looking after a child, knows how my my life was changing. I found it really challenging to kind of come to terms with that and accept that yeah. I didn't have quite as many hours to do what I wanted to do. Or it took me a real while um, to sort of work that out. Yeah, 
no, same, same. Um, and, you know, I say when I came back off maternity leave, there wasn't really a maternity leave as such in that I was constantly checking in, still posting on social media, still trying to make sure that when I sort of was like, right, she's in childcare now, I can go out and deliver training again, that there was actually mm. people there to deliver training too. Um, so even that just sort of like, ah, there's a kid here and I'm trying to get this thing done, but there's a kid here uh, that I've got to look after and... I don't think nothing can ever prepare you for it. You know it, as you say, before you have a kid, you know it's going to change things. But, you know, I laugh when kind of friends have said, oh, I'm not going to let it change my life. We're still going to be going out as much as we did before. We're still going to yep. be doing stuff on our own. We're still going to... I, I, then, was, I was that yeah. guy. Yeah, we've all been that person, yep. haven't we? Um, mm. And in fact, probably even more pivotal was um, then when I was pregnant with my second, Ella was only one. And that when it was really like, wow, this is really just taking over my whole life now. <laughs> like, that was a real eye-opening moment um, that suddenly it was like, gosh, yeah, this is... Did, did people say to you, oh, it's easier with two? No, uh, yeah. That's what, people said to, that's what people kept saying to me. I was like, <laughs> really? I was like, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, you know, they, they play with each other. I was like, mm. anyway, about a year later, I was like, you're talking shit. <laughs> yeah, that's absolute nonsense, isn't it? I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of benefits to having more than one. Um, I definitely know, you know, parents that only have one child, they struggle, you know, they basically have to be fully involved with them because they haven't got any siblings to play with and do things with. But, um, but yeah, two, I found actually really overwhelming. One, I found quite easy as many people do. Um, and actually thought nailed this, know what I'm doing here. I'm the best mum ever. Let's have another. And then she came along like this little whirlwind of no sleep whatsoever. I mean, as a newborn, even as a newborn, when they're supposed to sleep all the time, there was one night when she was five weeks old that she was awake from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. And that was just her setting the tone for this is who I'm going to be. But actually, number three was probably my easiest because by then, you know, life had changed a lot by having one, even more by having two. But actually, number three didn't make much difference at all. So um, I'll be one of those people who say, go and have a third because it's actually fine. And then you'll come back to me and go, what the hell? Don't do that. No, it's not happening. I'm <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, so many people actually I know who have got more than two have said, oh my God, third was the one that really made the difference in terms of craziness. But for me, that was my second. Um, doesn't mean I'll be having any more than three now, though, no. definitely not. <laughs> I mean, just going back to what you said about, so you put your prices up when you had your child your daughter like was that an easy thing to decision to make was it be scared did it did you have any problems from it um it was actually easy and I think it was easy because of where I was at I think if I'd just been in the same situation family situation of it just being me and my husband and then I'd suddenly gone you know what I need to up my prices I think I'd have found it really tricky because I'd have had more time to think about it and there'd be this kind of switch from that to that but I think because I kind of had this time off with a baby in between where I was kind of quoting and going I'll be back on this date let's book dates in here's the price yeah it kind of gave me that breathing period where it was kind of like it's okay if they say no and it's amazing when you up your prices that you rarely get a no um I think you know you get the odd person or I've had the odd person say I can't afford that or that's too expensive and I've just gone okay well I'm really sorry I'm probably not the trainer for you because that's that's how I, much I charge yep. and then they come back and go okay then yeah that's fine let's yeah. book it in um so I think you do get the it's, it's a horrible thing anyway isn't it up in prices mentally because we all assume what our customers will pay rather than actually uh knowing what they'll pay 
but um but did it make you think did it make you think that you were obviously charging not enough before, before. yeah definitely 100 percent. you go why did i not do this earlier well, um, i mean the yeah. funny thing is when i so i've worked in i've worked agency side i've worked in-house and actually seeing what some companies do pay for stuff has been a real eye-opener for me and i think that it's interesting to hear you say oh you know would they pay it on you know you don't you don't know what companies can pay mm-hmm. or you don't think they're, they're going to pay what you want them to pay but actually some companies i've seen pay crazy amounts of things for stuff that if i didn't know in beforehand and i you asked me what it was it'd be fractions of what yeah. it's just yeah i know and, and this is the assumption isn't it i mean it depends who you're targeting but mm. You know, I'm doing a webinar with a company in in May on digital well-being for pharmaceutical companies. They've got a big, um, all their customers are pharmaceutical companies. So there'll be about 200 pharmaceutical companies on this webinar. And he said, you know, he said, the thing is, we then put you in as a consultant. You know, how much do you charge per hour? Here's my, here's what I charge per hour. And he said, okay, well, to be honest, I think with pharmaceutical companies, you could charge about 10 times that. It's Mm. like, oh that's different then. (laughs) You know, that's, that's the industry to go into then. Great. Let's do it. Um, but then if it was targeting a one-man band, small business yeah, owner, they'd be like, absolutely no chance. I can, you know, that's crazy money to them. So it all depends on who your customer is, doesn't it? It does. But I think the point I was trying to make was it's tough unless you've been in that situation and seen that money being spent or yeah. it's tough to actually believe sometimes. Accept that people are yeah. willing to pay. Yeah, absolutely. You don't no. know unless you give it a go. No, indeed. What was the other pivotal moment you said you were going to back, say about your business? Uh, the business pivotal one actually was I was um, paid to go speak in Lesotho in Africa um, at Prince Harry's Centre Foundation for um, which is HIV Foundation, and the conference was essentially people from all over the world who were HIV positive, who were representatives of HIV charities throughout the world, all came to Centre in Lesotho for this event. And they asked me to come along and speak about building their personal brand on social media and telling their story. And it was just the most incredible experience of my life, let alone the fact that I was paid the most I've ever been paid for a speaking wow. and flown out there. Just an absolutely humbling experience. We, you know, we, I met, I met the Prince of Lesotho. I, you know, we went up a hike up this amazing mountain. Like, it was just incredible. And the whole time I thought, am I being paid to be here? This is just insanity. And that was a pivotal moment. A kind of like, you've made it moment kind of thing, how, you know. that. How did that come about? That came about from sharing videos on LinkedIn, believe it or not. <laughs> um, I set myself a little challenge to share a video every single day for a month on LinkedIn and then the company got in touch and said we've spotted your videos and we think we love the natural style of your videos we want the people that are coming to this event to make videos like you do um and be confident in putting it out on social media can you come and speak to them yeah yeah where's your event (laughs) Lesotho in Africa oh okay (laughs) so yeah just there you go by sharing content on social media you never know who's picking it up do you that's just that right person at that right time it's all about the personal brand isn't it Mm mm-hmm who is it? Someone, someone told me a story the other day about, oh, I'm going to kick myself because I can't remember who it was. But they're telling me this story about someone who set up a YouTube channel and they'd been going for like six months and every every video this guy put out, he had um, like four or five views. And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. 
and people are taking the mickey out of him and saying like you know why are you bothering four or five like no one cares yeah you know it's and i'm butchering his story but it, it was something along the lines of one of those four people who watched every video he made was oprah winfrey oh i've heard this story have you heard think, this story yeah was it someone who was on diary of a ceo so i can't remember i just someone was telling me about it the other day do you know who it was i know who it was it was the relationship guy paul who's the relationship expert is who it was was it that, yeah okay and then he became like the relationship expert on the Oprah Winfrey show or something. Yeah, from her. Oh, is that who it was? Okay. I'm pretty sure that's who it I was. Ch- I'm trying I to piece the story out. together. But yeah, I did yeah, hear I'm, the I'm same. Yeah, I'm butchering it massively. <laughs> but it was no, something it was, like that. It, it was exactly that. Yeah, he just kept putting videos out going, what am I doing this for? And Yeah. Like, and then one, one of, of Oprah's like, was, <laughs> PAs yeah. got in touch with him and said, yeah. oh, Oprah loves your content. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah. She is one of the four people or something. It's not always about the numbers. It's about who's behind those numbers. Who are those people? I just I, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask him. It's interesting you said about the 30 day challenge of the mm-hmm. videos. So I love a 30 day challenge, mm-hmm. and I did one putting out videos last year, and I am currently in the process of trying to do thinking about doing it again. Yeah, good. How did you know what to talk about for 30 days? I find the more content you create, the easier it is to come up with ideas, which is a strange thing. Let me interrupt you. So I I don't have a problem coming up with ideas. Okay. I have a problem knowing what to talk about. So what I mean by that is if you said, oh, I don't know, you can talk about social media. I could come up with 20 or 30 content ideas like that. No problem. But I don't know what my, my, my root topic should be. Okay, so that might take a bit of brainstorming and drilling down mm. um, as to what, I mean, you can just, I think the key to everything is just starting. So just, you know, going, okay, well, let's look at, you know, it, video number one could be best quote I ever heard or, you know, just kicking it off with something that's actually random, but kicking okay. it off and that might lead to. So let me ask you this then. This is turning into a consultation. <laughs> you have to send me an invoice <laughs> after. Okay, let me ask you one more question and then I'll move on because it's not fair to pick your brains like this. But what is your thoughts? So I, I'm currently in a 100-day challenge where I'm mm-hmm. putting a piece of content out on LinkedIn every day and Twitter. Mm-hmm. What is your thoughts about, and I'm, and I'm trying to, you mentioned earlier about the batch content, which is yeah. interesting because I'm trying to batch content. Great. What is your thoughts behind, let's assume I've got a piece, I've written out a post for seven days, every, every day for seven days. Yeah. If I just basically, and I saw, I think it was Alex Hormozy talk about this, but if I just, instead of putting it out as a text form, yeah. putting it out as a video, but the, but the same content. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any issue with that at all. Speaking, it depends what the content is and if it needs a link and if it needs, you know, more text-based descriptors, but if it's if it's something that can be spoken, then absolutely that would be an easy segue into your challenge to mm. switch it to video content. Um, because I think the thing, the great thing now with video content, it doesn't have to be long. You know, no. in fact, the shorter the better, thanks to TikTok. Mm. So it doesn't have to be a you know a whole big speech. It can just be. A, a five second thought you know well that was the point i think that was yeah. the point i think I, alex hormozy's tweet was something like tiktok is just people filming themselves saying tweets or something like that yeah yeah 
which it's it got a lot me, of the time. Well, yeah, and it kind of got me thinking, like, there's such a range of content out there in video yeah. format that why can't you have, you know, why can't you do that? Yeah, you absolutely can. I mean, you know, that's, that is the format of TikTok and Instagram Reels, isn't it? It's those really short, quick, to the point videos. Do you think it works on LinkedIn and though, as well? I think it does. I think yeah. it does. Yeah, absolutely. I think now we're past the stage where you can post a sort of three minute video on LinkedIn. Uh, I think people look, see that it's three minutes and go, God, that's too long and scroll onto the next piece of content. Um, so <laughs> I think absolutely the shorter, the better, even on LinkedIn now. Let me ask um, you then. Okay. You just, you just, you you opened Pandora's box now. <laughs> so you, I no doubt know that you'll have seen that content that was flying around a guy called Richard Von de Bloom or something. Um, just looking up, I've got it here. Von Van der Blom, and it was all about the LinkedIn algorithm and how you should structure posts and all these little things. Like, have you seen that? I guess as I haven't actually. Cause... No, no? I've seen it. No. Oh, okay, I'll share that be... with you. Okay, fab. I'll, I'll share that with you after. So he did this huge analysis piece on the LinkedIn algo. Yeah. Um, created this massive report, and then obviously, as social media did, loads of people sort of basically plagiarized it and made it into. Yeah. To bite-sized pdfs of which i've got one on my wall which i keep looking at and in it he says that the content should be between uh let me see 1200 and 1600 characters per post hmm. to hit their algorithm to yeah. hit their algorithm right and i have this theory that I, I like LinkedIn as a platform, but it's starting to get the point now where everyone's trying to please yeah. the algo. And as a yeah. result, there is so much effing content on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like not, we've all it's, got all the time in the world to yeah. read every so it's not post like you've got that's 1,600 characters long. Exactly, right? So Twitter, <laughs> you might go on Twitter, you'll have a browse for five minutes and yeah. you've read, yeah. I don't know, 50 tweets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because you can't do that on LinkedIn. And I have this yeah. big bee in my bonnet about how, why that is. Like, what, it's just. Yeah, it's frustrating because really, again, it's like analyzing. Is that actually going to lead to work? If I start doing a, an epic story about something that happened in my life and what it led to and like, is that going to lead to work for me? chances are no but it will help my next post be seen by more people where I could then say hey buy this thing from me that I do which then might lead to more work so it's it's a, it's a really horrible balance isn't it that you're yeah. like oh and this is where the overwhelm comes in because people read that and go jeez 1600 characters a post and oh god I already haven't, don't have time to do it how am I going to do it now with well, it's, but it's both ways posts? right it's reading it and it's creating and reading it. and creating yeah, yeah. absolutely and I think this is where people will start. If everyone starts doing posts that long, everyone will start going, well, I'm not, I'm not even going to bother going on LinkedIn. Mm. It's just, and it works for the algorithm because people will linger. They might not read the whole post, but they're going to linger on that post more than one that is two sentences. And LinkedIn picks up on that. You know, oh, you've got, you've got people's eyeballs on this. People are stopping scrolling. They're paying attention. Yeah. They're reading. Even if they don't get to the end of that, that thing. So, you know, it works with the algorithm. But at the same time, they're not stupid at LinkedIn. If they see that people are then starting to get disenchanted with long-form content, yeah, that will go against you in the algorithm. You know, it's an ever-changing landscape, which, again, leads to overwhelm. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Tricky. It is tricky. It is. Okay, I'll stop there. I'll stop <laughs> taking advantage of your good social media nature. 
tell me something that you struggle with or find tough. Uh, networking in person. <laughs> I always have Do in you? all my years in business. Yeah, I am absolutely fine chatting the chat in terms of doing talks and training and podcast interviews. And anything singing like on that. stage. Singing on stage. Yeah, and actually, you know, I've done. I've, I've spoken at events with thousands of people there, and it doesn't bother me. In Africa, yeah, you know, and and other countries actually flown to a few countries now to speak at events, and it doesn't bother me. But walking into a room of people I don't know and having to strike up a conversation puts the fear of God in me. I think I'm an an on stage extrovert and an in room introvert, and I, since having my eldest very rarely go networking which has made the problem even harder I think when people do say oh this networking event's got on come along and I think go on Sam push yourself out your comfort zone and I walk in and that feeling instantly comes back to me like how do I start a conversation with people who do I start a conversation with who should I go and talk to and uh, yeah I struggle with it still to this day 12 well 13 years nearly in business I still struggle with it <laughs> do you, uh, I don't know where to go with this so my question was going to be, do you know why that is? But then my sort of follow-up question was going to be, is is in-person networking a thing these days? I mean, you know as well as anyone, right, the power of yeah. LinkedIn. And you could write a post now in five minutes that could be seen by thousands yeah. of people. Yeah, I think it's definitely dying away a bit. Uh, it's it's tricky because you you that one-to-one interaction is really powerful. And actually, I do talk about this in social media training as well. Like, don't forget the power of the one-to-one. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to message people and say hi and s- start a conversation with them. Yeah. And, you know, I think that power actually is really quite strong in person, stronger than it is online. Because, I mean, we can interact with thousands of people technically every day online in some format. Um, but we won't remember hardly any of them whereas go in a room and have a conversation with someone face to face and really like let them ask questions about your business and ask questions in return and get to know each other in that way you know in a reciprocal way as well so it's not just me going to you hey let me sell to you I do all this and this and this and this like you get Mm. a lot on social media it's a reciprocal conversation um, I think is actually still really powerful particularly it depends again who you're targeting but you know if you're if you can find the people in the room who are your ideal customer, I don't think there's any greater power than going and speaking to them one-to-one in person and no. sparking those conversations. Um, my, I did a lot of networking when I first started in business, but it was more of like the repeat networking where you see the same people and there might be a few new people in the room, but I, I got my confidence up with that because I knew I could walk in and be like, hi, you know, how yeah. have you been since I saw you last week kind of thing. So what's the challenge then? Why why do you why are you struggling with it now? Because I'm inherently shy. And so I think it just comes back to that really. I think over the years of as I've grown up, I've kind of pushed my shyness away. Um, but it, it still emerges. So I, you know, I can do it, but I struggle with it. And I'll be honest, like I haven't done a lot of it, which has probably made the problem worse. And yeah. this year I thought, you know, I'm gonna get out there more, you know. I, a lot of the time because I'm delivering training online now as well I'm stuck at home so much that if I can get into Manchester City Centre and go to a networking event it's a trip out as much as it is work yeah and um living so the I have high booked life now aren't we when we're, I know when we're <laughs> yeah at exactly networking events as a, as a day out nice trip out yeah. yeah um so I have booked on some and 
I've been to a couple, don't get me wrong, and had kind of broke through the barrier of, oh, I know I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it anyway, and had some great conversations, met some great people. But there's also been equally probably 50% of them I haven't gone to that I've booked on to. I found an excuse. Do you know, um, do you know anyone else who goes who could maybe be like a, yeah, a, a handholder? I spoke to my business coach about this and that's exactly what she said. Like, just message someone and say, I've booked on this. Do you fancy coming with me? Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably a good way to go. And it, it's daft, really, because I absolutely have no problem sparking conversation with anyone. It's something that I've created in my head. And I well, think the, it's the fear of what it's like walking into a party on your own, isn't it? And everyone knowing each other. It's a bit like that kind of fear. Like, yeah. I'm just going to be stood in the corner on my own and no one's going to talk to me. Um, it's just so, funny because yeah, you don't come across like that speaking. No, I know. Everyone and and when I, I just, all I was thinking was back to that, tell me something about you, not many people know. Like, I that wouldn't have put, I wouldn't have said yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah, I should have thought of that for that answer, actually, because, yeah, it's so true. So many people say the same. And they'll be like... I mean, it's not up there with being named after a parrot. I just, well, let's, let's no, that's a bit more exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people who say to me, I don't know how you can get on the stage. I don't know how you can speak. Do you get nervous? You never come across nervous. I'm like, well, no, I don't actually. But these people who say that are actually very extrovert yeah. in a room of people and will walk in and own the room and chat to everyone and, you know, be really confident walking in a room. So maybe there's something there in, you know, in terms of how you are on an introvert, extrovert scale that... I find it a lot easier to own the stage than own the room. If I'm in a position of power on a stage and have an audience listening to me, yeah. I find that easier than going into a room where everyone's talking to each other and trying to infiltrate a conversation or start a conversation with someone else. So it's yeah. it's a strange personality trait, I think. I don't know if it's strange. I think lots of people probably you know, have the same yeah. thing going on. Yeah. Well, I definitely need to work on it. will probably never go away. I think I could probably do a network. I think you'll go day. away. I think if you, pra- <laughs> you think if you practice, and yeah, you, true. It's, it's, it's a muscle, isn't it? Just flexing true. that muscle. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit like sometimes in the playground still, you know, I still kind of stand there and think, oh, everyone's talking to someone apart from me, you know, the odd time. And you're like, geez, when, when will that feeling ever leave? <laughs> so I do that though. Sometimes I walk into the playground, pick my daughter up and like, just you know you get your phone out and just pretend to sort of yeah just... and it's just <laughs> I don't know sometimes it's like I guess people are in the same situation sometimes you just can't be bothered to speak to somebody I sometimes you yeah. just you know maybe it's just getting away from it yeah yeah I know what you mean mm. I know what you mean it's a funny one okay so we talk about struggles and challenges mm-hmm. tell me about superpowers I believe that everyone's got at least one what would you say is yours I think my superpower is finding the positive in every situation. I am incredibly optimistic and positive to the point that it used to annoy my mum growing up, actually. And she used to snap at me sometimes and say, not everything can be a positive, Sam. Um, but I think I'm pretty good at not not getting pulled down by negative situations because I go well actually the good side of this is this and straight away I'll lead to you know what is the positive of this shitty situation we're in right now um and I'll always find a positive um and I think that's just again it's part of my nature and I can't help it it just my mind instantly goes what's the positive so maybe that's a superpower because I know a lot of people I know a lot of people do the opposite (laughs) you know what's the negative what's the worst thing and um yeah, I think it's it's a good thing. And I try and just 
spread it as much as I can when people are talking about bad things in their life. I go, well, let's look at it this way around. You know? It might be a bit annoying though when people go, no, Sam, I just want to dwell on how awful well, this is. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I, I'm like you. I, I see the positive. Mm. At least I try to. You know, we all have our lapses, obviously. But in general, I see the positive in everything. Yeah. It's amazing how many people get really shirty about, yeah. oh, I just don't want to hear it. Stop bringing <laughs> they want to wallow in their woe i think sometimes um yeah it's funny isn't it because if i found someone who was the opposite it was like if i had a situation and they tried to bring all the negatives in i'd get annoyed (laughs) oh i i know people who are the opposite i know people who i'm not going to name names because it's not fair but i know people who cannot help themselves yeah but look at the negative Mm -hmm. side of everything yeah. It drives me crazy. I'm like, how how do you get through life like that? Like how yeah. does how do you find joy? Yeah. If everything's a downer. Yeah. It's not good, is it? Um and I think you can find the positive in everything and still have periods where you feel really low and yeah. feel unhappy and but somehow your head still says there's a message to be learned here and the the good'll come of it or yeah. something, you know. It's yeah, I think it is it's a useful trait. It is. It's kind of a shame. It's a superpower, really. But I do know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Good superpower. Soapbox. What soapbox. topic is guaranteed to get you <laughs> on your soapbox? I think at the moment it's smartphone use. <laughs> Funnily it... enough. Yeah. I think it's the thing I talk about most to so many people now. Um, friends, family, uh, my kids. <laughs> like, are, are so you... I think I'm on my soapbox about on it at the moment. Are you very conscious about your own phone use yeah absolutely yeah I mean I have so many steps in place that I take now to keep mine low because I know the negative impacts it can have so I mean like I always say I'm not a smartphone hater at all like thank god for smartphones I think they've revolutionized so much and there's so many amazing positive results of having a smartphone um so I'm not about to ditch mine for a a, you know a brick nokia or something have you Um, tried that no no I haven't actually I did read an article about how some teenagers now are a ditch in the smartphone for Dumb you know for the called. old school yeah, yeah. yeah but um but now you know my smartphone's useful in so many different ways but i now know having read so many books and watched so many videos and learned so much about it i just know that it has a really detrimental impact when you are not using it in a way that's adding value to your life so as a result, I'm very strict with my use and I also want to be a positive role model to my kids when they get them. Um, so, yeah, I do have quite a lot of boundaries in place. And Can, can I ask something then? So, from an addiction point of view, like if, you, if we were discussing something else, an addict might talk themselves into it, right? So, say, mm-hmm. I don't know, you're a gambling addict, then mm-hmm. there might be barriers to logging into online or you know not going past a betting shop or yeah you know like an alcoholic you might be like oh well I'm not gonna go to that whatever yeah so I don't know how to ask this but I guess so like if if you put in these barriers if you if one is addicted still is there not the risk I can't know the answer to this question I don't know if I'm asking it but people will talk themselves into it so like you say no the smartphone's useful and it's like oh well you know i'll just watch this because this is 
I don't know, this is yeah, evolving me or helping me yeah. learn something. I'll just go on YouTube for this or, you know, yeah. just check out TikTok for this. Yeah. Like we are our own worst enemies, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, 100%. We can talk ourselves back into anything, can't we? And, yeah. Um, like I know what I should and shouldn't be eating. Yeah. But I still can't help myself to polish off crunchy if it's sitting there. <laughs> And I think, and I think that's the key if it's sitting there. So I think the thing is, it's, it is barriers, isn't it? You know, so that is one of the massive issues with smartphone addiction is that the mobility of them, they're always there. You know, it's not like I should eat the right foods. Therefore I'll only buy foods to have in my house that are healthy. That means if I want to eat something crap, I've got to leave my house. I've got to walk or drive to a shop to get that crap thing. If it's on my desk, looking at me, I've had to put a LinkedIn post on about this last week about mini eggs. You know, if I've got a bag of mini eggs on my desk, I'll suddenly be like, where have they all gone? I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, where, where the heck have all my mini eggs gone? Yeah. Oh, I've eaten them all because they're there on my desk. And it's the same with your phone. If your phone's there next to you, you you're going to keep picking it up, you know. So you do have to put barriers in place. And for all, like, the addiction will always be there, like any addiction, really, I guess. It's a bit like, you know, it's, I guess it's a bit like asking someone who is giving up smoking to carry on having a packet of cigarettes in their pocket. Yeah. But, you know, but give it up, but always have that pack of cigarettes there in your pocket with you yeah, at yeah. all times. Um, you, you know, it's not going to happen. So I do think that if you set up more, more and more barriers, you will slowly become less addicted, but it's always going to be there. I have yeah. absolutely could. You know, I've just said, like, I love my phone. I'm not getting rid of it. I could. But I've I've taught myself into the fact it's given me all these positives and therefore yeah. I'm not. <laughs> do you do you use that app? I can't remember what it's called, but it, when you open TikTok or Twitter, it holds it for thirty seconds and and makes you breathe or something. Have you seen no, this one? but it, no, but it's a good idea. I do use some blocking apps. I use an app called Forest, um, which is really good because that is. When you, you've got to leave the app open, essentially, which means you can't go on anything else on your phone while you're on Forest, and it just sits there in the background. Um, but it grows virtual trees, which I'm not really bothered about that virtual gamification. But um, as your tree grows, it also gives you coins. Okay. And at 2,500 virtual coins, you can actually spend them on a real tree. You transfer them, and they plant a real tree. Oh, that's cool. So I love that because I'm, you know, I'm always looking at ways to improve the environment and you know play a part in that. So. I use Forest, but no, I've not heard of the one actually that does the 30 second pause. Oh, I'll have to look called, that um, one up. I like that idea. Oh, I'll find it. Um, because it's it's actually really true that you sh- it's too accessible. You know, with things like Face ID, we literally can be phone in hand on TikTok within a second. Yeah. Um, so I have filters in, you know, barriers in place, like putting them all hidden away in folders. So it's, as soon as I open my phone, it's not throwing social media at me. And then just keeping your phone out of the way is probably the best thing you can do. What um, do, you, do you put the grayscale on as well, black and white? Uh, no, I don't use grayscale. haven't hit that point yet. But to be honest, I'm, my screen time's pretty low now anyway. I think that might be extreme addiction to start putting in these extra it. steps like grayscale. Uh, Another good one's putting a rubber band around your phone so you can't scroll. You've got to remove the rubber band to, uh, <laughs> to be able to scroll on your phone. That's clever. Which I haven't, again, I haven't had to go to that level just yet. I can't find what it is. And it's, it's maybe someone will um, comment or whatever, but I, I will find out what it is and I'll put it in the show Fab. notes. I'll share, I'll share you. it with you. But basically, awesome. when, you, when you click on the app icon, I think what happens is it, 
basically says right before you go onto TikTok, just take thirty seconds to breathe. Nice. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'll find it and I'll Stop share it. Stop showing your but... tracks. No, that sounds really good. That's exactly what I talk about. Put friction points in place. Yeah. That don't make it quite as easy to do. And forest. I'll check out forest. Forest. Well. That yeah, sounds that's cool. Um, okay. Tell me the best piece of advice you've ever heard. Um, imperfect is better than never. So um, this was one I heard quite early yeah, on in my business journey. You're not the first journey. person to tell me that on this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, I was of thinking of a few different ones, actually, that were really good. It's not, it's not a bad thing. Don't, that wasn't a criticism. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. I, that <laughs> was one of mine as well. Yeah, yeah, and it really struck home, actually. And now, like, I won't stress over the fact I've sent out an email with a spelling mistake or, you know, I'll quickly, I will literally do a one-take video and post it, even if there's ums and ers in it, because... Yeah. It's, you know, I've, I just meet so many people who say, well, it takes me about three hours to do a social media post. And so I don't post ever because it just takes me so long. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? The post that's imperfect is going to outperform the post that never gets posted. So it's Some, it's someone, a real uh, frame of mind you have to switch on, isn't it? Yeah, there's two things I was going to say. So the first one is I have dillied and dallied over so many things and not ended up putting anything out mm. that's not just social that's like just yeah. business stuff mm-hmm. and then the other thing was one of my previous guests was saying about how um she was struggling for content one day and she basically took her outtakes of all her previous videos yeah and put them into something like oh you know creating content social doesn't always go smoothly or something and they just put her outtakes on and she said this outtake video was like 100x more successful than anything else because that is authentic isn't it and it is authentic yeah exactly (laughs) that's the real life but it shows you that it's not all perfect yeah yeah absolutely and she she hadn't done it expecting that she'd just done it because i think it was like a kind of a nothing else to put out yeah but yeah it's authentic and actually people relate to that don't they because life's imperfect you know we're all imperfect we all say the wrong things use the wrong words get our grammar wrong whatever it might be you know I sent an email I'm doing quite a big contract in terms of training um that's being sponsored by a big company in Belgium and uh you know the woman there that I'm interacting with is called Michaela and I sent her an email the other day saying hi Michael and sent it off and then went Oh my God, I put Michael, she's going to hate me. She's going to think I'm awful. She's going to cancel the contract. And I emailed back straight away and just put, I'm so sorry. Of course, I meant Michaela. Um, And she just sent an email back laughing. And honestly, just like, God, why do we, why do we just get ourselves worked up over things that are so everyday things that everyone does? It's like you say, she's probably, it's probably not the first time because we are all not designed to be perfect individuals who always get it right. No. Oh, it's, it's yeah. Done is better than perfect. Was yeah. It took me a long, long time to remember that. Yeah. And it just made me think about all the stuff I'd not put out there because I yeah. just didn't. And I guess in social media, right. it's even more important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. God, absolutely. When when actually I was doing that thirty day video challenge, people said to me, "How are you? How have you got time to make all these videos?" Well, I pick up my phone, I talk at my phone for a minute, and then I go publish. Yeah. Like I'm not spending hours on this. I'm spending like five minutes max. You know, I've got, you've got five minutes a day. I've got five minutes a day. Like it doesn't have to take time. Um, and then they say, it's all right for you. 
because you're practiced in it. I'm like, I'm practicing it from doing yeah, lots yeah. of video content. You're not going to get perfect by not doing it. Did you you're track not, you it? Know. Did you track like the performance of that 30 days? I did. And actually, you know, it's awful that we do this, isn't it? Because it led to so many opportunities like the one I, I said earlier. But um, yeah, it, I did. The video views were going up and up and up. And then what do you do? You hit the end of your 30 days and you go, challenge done. That's why I was going to Stop ask. posting videos. <laughs> yeah. That's and it's so, yeah, it's irritating that we're like this, isn't it? Because uh, every time I do anything like that, the results are amazing. And then you stop doing it. Um, and I think it's probably a bit of fatigue of like, right, I've done my 30 days of video. I just need to not actually speak at camera, which is fine, you know, because digital well-being. Um, but I think there's a lot of lessons in there, isn't there? You know, um, it's oh, been a Sam, while actually since I posted a video on LinkedIn. <laughs> I had a conversation with someone the other day. So last year, last January, January 22, I set myself a 30 day challenge and I put out a video every day doing exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did it was because I was trying to get over my fear of being on screen. And mm-hmm. I was like, screw Great it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to yeah. commit to it. And I said several people to this, I said the same thing. I was like, I actually enjoyed it. Like as, as the mm-hmm. month went on and like you, I was getting, my engagement was going up. My view counts mm-hmm. were going up my, my, uh, everything. And then it got to the 30 days and I was just like, Phew. Yeah. not doing that anymore yeah or no it wasn't even that it's just that's no, long it's just, it wasn't that i'm not doing it anymore i just i didn't consciously decide i didn't want to do it i just stopped yeah i think it's because when you set yourself 30 day challenge you hit your 30 days and go done it woohoo get me i did it. i passed the 30 day challenge test and then you go back to what you were doing before yeah um which yeah why why are we designed this way it's got me thinking actually i think i might start setting myself a challenge to at least do one video a week on on linkedin well i I do share them anyway on instagram i could even just download it from instagram and upload it to linkedin it doesn't even need to be extra work but yeah i like i said earlier i I want to do it and i wanted to start the 30-day challenge again i just i'm really struggling what to talk about Hmm. i think you've probably got a lot you can talk about (laughs) a heck of a lot you can talk about probably um without a doubt you could you know you could probably have made 30 videos out of this podcast interview, for example, of things you've shared, you know, yeah. it's, uh, and I think it's back to that kind of imperfect, isn't it? Like just talk well, about anything. It is. And that's <laughs> the other thing I find a real challenge. I was chatting to someone about the other day as well as I, and I don't know if you have this problem or you found a solution to it, but exactly to your point, right. We've probably spoke about things. There's probably 30 different content ideas or, or seeds, mm-hmm. right. That mm-hmm. from stuff we've talked about. And obviously it's different because we're recording this, so I, c- I can go back and listen to it. Yeah. But what I struggle with on a day-to-day basis is like say me and you met at a networking event or wherever and we were chatting mm-hmm. and we'd had this same conversation. I'd be like, all right, see you later, Sam. I'd go and I'd instantly forget, forget. everything yeah. we discussed. <laughs> yeah. And the person I was chatting to, um, Ilya, he, we had this sort of like regular check-in um, call and he was like, oh, I didn't know that about you. And I didn't know this about you. And actually, he sent me a note on LinkedIn after, on an email after saying, I know you, because we had this exact conversation. I said, I keep forgetting things. Like, I, you know, what is an interesting discussion point? I, I just don't remember it. And he sent me this long email going, I really found this interesting. Why you said this, this, and this. And I said, he goes, I was like, wowzers. I was like, that's four kind of straight yeah. away. Yeah. And I don't know if it's something you do or you're, you struggle with, but. It's just 
I don't know. It probably depends how many people I've spoken to. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I don't. I think I'm all right actually with remembering stuff, and I do use in the videos I create. I've always, particularly on social media, they'll always actually relate to something that came up in training, and I think I've got to make a video about that. Yeah. You know, I'll talk through something, and I'll be like, "Got to make a video about that," and I'll make a little note, make a video about that. So that's the key, isn't it? It's, it's when that, when note, that thing yeah. happens, it's just writing a little yeah. note about it. Yeah, even if it's just a voice memo or whatever, you know, yeah. something that goes, "Oh yeah, that thing." <laughs> so, that's what. Yeah. I, that's what. That's what I need to get better at. Yeah, documenting life. Okay. Well, it's the first of the month tomorrow, so maybe a a, a March Perfect challenge time. is. Perfect time. Hmm. Yeah. Good Watch time this for it. Space. <laughs> right. What were we up to? Oh yeah. Penultimate question. Mm-hmm. If we spoke again in ten years' time, and you told me that that decade had been a pretty successful one, what would have happened? Uh, so the first thing I like to go into free flow when I hear questions like this so um first thing that came to my head was a ted talk um it's something i've always wanted to do as many people who particularly who are speakers will say the same um and then i think in the past my barrier was always like oh social media it's such a dry topic now everyone's bloody talking about it and i think actually now i'm talking more about digital well-being there is like so much on there that's never been discussed in a ted talk there definitely is some that has been like smartphone use um, I'll have to dig deep if there's anything on digital culture in organizations, anything like that. But I think I would love to do a TED talk or a TEDx talk. A TED talk's quite a massive goal, isn't it? But TEDx is how how does um, how does one make that happen? And the reason I asked that you can that, just apply. Well, so a previous guest of mine said that they wanted to do a TEDx talk. Mm. Yeah, it's quite easy actually. She just she's just done one. Yeah. It's actually really easy. Um and you just look out for when the events are and then you apply to be a speaker. Sometimes they do source speakers, like they'll go and look for, we want someone to talk about this particular topic for our TEDx event. Yeah. Um, but otherwise it's a, it's a form to fill in. So it's definitely within reach. Um, and I think the only reason I haven't done it yet and why I've kind of put it in the 10 year window is because I just want to hone exactly what I would talk about. You know, at the moment, there's a million things swimming in my head. Yeah. And I think I'd just if you're going to apply to be a speaker, you've got to be really set on what you're going to talk about. And probably the other barrier to entry for me at the moment is a lot of the mask for a show reel, um, which well, really I could record anyway. But I don't have, annoyingly, um, I don't think I've got any video footage of me speaking on the, st- on the stage, despite having spoken on the stage many times. I've got little clip it, clips that people take on their phone that sound awful, mm. you know, audio-wise. So maybe creating some kind of show reel, then applying to do a, a TEDx talk, possibly somewhere else in the world than the UK as well, because then it's even more impressive, isn't it? TEDx talk in New York is something I always joke about with one of my business friends because she wants to come along too and support me. She's like, girl trip to New York, you can do the TEDx talk. I'll just come and be in the crowd. So, so this, that's So this time next year, you've done a TEDx talk. You'll be networking every other week and you'll be on the uh, stage in Manchester's Amateur Dramatics. Well, it's going to be a busy year, isn't it's it? It's going to be busy. Jeez, I'm going to have to release some time. Look at my phone less, I think. Your something. husband's going to be hunting me down again. <laughs> oh, but one podcast for you, and I don't see her anymore. I know, I know. Oh no, he wouldn't. He would. <laughs> There's no way he'd let that happen. I don't think. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just looking at my notes. What else I put for my ten years? To be fair, it wasn't just that. Um, yeah, just being a more rena- being renowned for digital well-being, um, and by renowned, I just mean known throughout the UK. 
be the go-to expert for businesses in terms Key person of, of influence exactly that yeah yep. exactly that and um the biggest thing is just as with i'm sure many people say this but to know you've made a difference to people's lives um i did run a coaching program on using your phone less and one of the women who came on it said to me um a few months after it should it's actually changed my life um wow. you know the impact it's had on not using my phone as much and spending more time with loved ones and embracing life more should it's actually changed my life so just and this is another reason I really wanted to go into this just for just to make a bigger difference you know and to impact people in a really positive way and if I can do that within the next 10 years then I will be very very happy I mean that's kind of amazing and sad at the same time that story I guess like yeah yeah I mean she was at 12 hours a day (laughs) on her phone so you can imagine already the negative impact her phone addiction was having. Um, is, it, is it that people, I don't know how to phrase this, but is it that people are addicted to their phones or I've just got nothing else to do? There's, there's always an underlying thing that isn't just the phone addiction. Mm-hmm. So yes, it could be, there's always a reason, isn't there, that we pick up our phones. It could be boredom, procrastination, And actually, one of the things I really talk about in my coaching programs is what are you replacing it with? This isn't just about using your phone less. This is about doing something else. And we go through about 50 life-fulfilling activities you could do instead of looking at your phone. And then we pick the ones that are going to be the best for them. Um, Because it is really important. You know, if we're used to looking at our phones for four hours a day, let's say, well, if you you free up two of those hours, what are you going to do instead? Yeah. And that's dependent on the person um so yeah i mean there's always there's always an underlying reason people are addicted to anything isn't there you know mm-hmm. what what triggered the addiction and that's really important to to learn um in fact i'm going on a course next month on motivational interviewing which is all focused on understanding the motivations behind addiction um and interviewing people in a way that releases that which will be really interesting okay. um so I think that will massively help me in the work I'm doing. Um, but yeah, there's always, there's always an underlying thing that needs to be addressed. You know, some, yeah. for some people it's escapism from a life they're not enjoying. You know, for a lot of people it is procrastination against tasks that they don't want to do. So th- there's always something and it's really important to highlight that. Otherwise you're just going to go straight back to day one and picking up your phone again. Do you think it's getting worse or getting better? Um, I would probably say worse. <laughs> would you? Okay. To be honest, yeah. Although. Well, the reason I asked that is because I feel like I don't. I wouldn't go so far as to say I was a phone addict, but I probably would go so far as to say that I use my phone less now than I may have done in the past. Right. Okay. So I'd say there is more self awareness in a lot of people. Mm. who then may be taking action on that self-awareness but I think overall as a nation it's definitely getting worse because I think the next generation of phone users are spending more and more time on their phones so I think if we took it as a whole on a population it's getting worse but I think there are definitely more people becoming self-aware as to the negative impact it's having and the fact they need to do something about it does it depend what you are doing on your phone? Probably. Not always, but, you know, um, it, 
obviously there's you know everyone's got their different uses um for their phone so to a degree yeah um, i mean for instance if you're spending hours on it it's probably usually for similar things yeah maybe i just see that that meme that's going around or not going around always goes around about the, <clears throat> the in the the 50s or whatever and everyone's got their papers on the train and they're yeah. like oh you know and then the, the, the next picture is like everyone's sitting on the train with their phones yeah yeah and it yeah. kind of makes me th- like my wife used to pick me up on it a lot she's like oh you know you're always on your phone yeah but my counter to it was always something like you know i was reading something yeah learning something as if, if i had a book in my hand mm-hmm. would the same kind of issue be there and that's yeah. why I was asking, like, does it matter what you're doing? Um, it probably, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're just scrolling mindlessly on TikTok versus reading a really interesting book on at the Kindle app, for example, yeah. um, that's really different, isn't it? I mean, it's interesting with the newspaper thing because that was like people's consumption of the news in the past, wasn't it? Like, yeah. read the newspaper, job done till the next day. Now we can check in with the news every half hour if we want to throughout the day, as you mentioned before. Yeah. Um, which you know, it's given us access. So could we say, oh, but I'm reading the news just as if I was reading a newspaper. Yeah, but how many times have you checked that news today? Like, are you on the 10th time reading the news? Yeah. So yeah, to a degree, it, it of course, it makes a difference what it is you're looking at. But I would say then we could start to look at, well, how, does that really need to be on a phone? Like I much prefer reading a proper book than reading a book on my phone. And similarly, if I was ignoring household duties not doing anything but reading a book all the time probably someone would say to me you're always reading that bloody book (laughs) (laughs) you know so so you know it's it's only replacing one thing with another and I was speaking to someone the other week who said she just can't help but constantly go on tinder now she's single um and she's like to a point where she's going to delete it she said it becomes an addiction again like she's never really been that bothered about picking up a phone but suddenly it's in her hand constantly just who's new on tinder today kind of thing um I have that problem with right move (laughs) right roofs another one you know and I actually know people who don't don't use social media have no social media presence who are addicted to their phone and I used to think well, what the heck are you going on but it would be things like Amazon just randomly scrolling Amazon or eBay is another one that people get addicted to you know yeah. oh, I wonder how much this is going to go for on eBay um so there's always there's always something and I think if we can actually replace it with real life instead it's probably better so but yeah it's back to like I said before there are some really positive uses of phones but as with anything, you know, if you're doing that instead of doing other life fulfilling activities or things you should be doing or getting on with work or anything like that, then it's a problem to be sorted, isn't it? Does um <laughs> that's what sound like a weird question, but does your husband is your husband on board with your <laughs> philosophy behind phone use? Uh, he, uh, to a degree. To a degree. I mean, he yeah, he sometimes needs a little bit of uh coaching uh, like if we're watching on telly you know because i will try and keep my phone away from me obviously if we're watching telly yeah and he sat there scrolling and then he goes what who's that yeah. Or, yeah what's what's going on here and i'll be like well if you're watching it instead of scrolling on your phone <laughs> but yeah i mean i do i talk, talk to him about it all the time and he's getting better <laughs> but yeah he's not he's not 100 percent there yet uh but yeah no he is he's getting better he's getting better <laughs> okay We'll move on to the final question. As you may or may not know, this is one that my previous guest asked, and I will ask you for one after we finish for uh, yeah. next guest, which is tomorrow, incidentally. The question is, how do you self-motivate yourself? Oh, 
interesting actually let me ask you let me ask you a question before that do you do you are you good at motive you know do you struggle with motivation um I think it's a bit of a roller coaster sometimes I'm great and sometimes I have a dip and I'm just go through a real like a, a phase where I really struggle to motivate myself um so I think the first answer to that is it depends what's going on in life like we've had in our house just illness after illness since November last year Mm. and that really demotivated me because it was like there was always a kid home off school or I was being rang during the day to go and pick up another kid from school and and it and it just got to a point where I was like I just can't even be bothered trying to work you know and that really led to a dip and I'm someone who like loves things like a new year it's a new year let's crack on with work and I just got struck down with the flu the day the girls went back to school and had to do like a week of just lying in bed yeah and after that just really struggled to find my motivation again so how do I self-motivate I always find that actually writing down three things I need to get done every day is like my go-to thing um and so rather than having this really long to-do list and going, oh, I just can't be bothered, I just aim to do three things every day. And it depends what I've got in my diary. So that three things won't be things like a podcast interview. It won't be that, you know, I'll have the things in the diary yeah. then I'll have three other things I want to do. And it could be really simple, like, you know, reply to that email that's been sat there unreplied to, yes. you know, pay this such and such bill, whatever. You know, it could be three things that literally could take me five minutes to do all three things. Or it could be, oh, actually, I've got a full day with nothing booked in the diary. So they're bigger three things, you know. But that, to me, is my biggest self-motivator. Because if I tick off those three things every day, I'd be like, right, you've achieved those three things. You've done something. And when I get back, when I instantly am in that habit, I just find I go back into a motivation zone. Um, But it's tricky when you work for yourself. Because you'll always have those moments where it's gone a bit quiet. I don't know. I just, there's dips and peaks and troughs isn't there and it's very hard sometimes to motivate yourself out of a trough well um, that's kind of when I read the question when they shared it I, I didn't know at that point it was going to be you or, or who it was going to be and I found it interesting because obviously I work for myself you work for yourself mm-hmm. but there's plenty of people I speak to who don't yeah and I was like, I wonder if I remember when I was in employment and kind of the motivation wasn't as much of an issue because obviously like I'm not going to say coast necessarily but you it's it's different you just expect to turn up at a certain time yeah do what you're expected to do as long as you get into the office (laughs) yeah, yeah as long as you're there you get in the office and yeah you know as long as you do what you're supposed to do or yeah. look like you're doing what you're supposed to yeah, be yeah. doing you know you, at the end of the month you get that paycheck whereas when you work for yourself yeah it's different if, if you don't motivate yourself you don't earn any money no exactly um, but there are but, times when I struggle with it and I'm like oh, I just can't be bothered today yeah which is human nature and yeah. actually since working with my the coach I've been working with who is brilliant because she her phrase is to give yourself excessive kindness you know to be excessively kind to yourself and to acknowledge the days where you go actually I can't be bothered and I'm probably not going to get much done so why don't I take a couple of hours out yeah and watch that film and lie on the sofa and or take the nap because I've been sleeping badly Mm. or take the dog for a really long walk and then come back and go right you've had your time you've 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 chilled out for a bit you've done whatever let's just crack on now 
you know, to be honest, and I'll admit that yesterday was one of those days where I was just like exhausted. You know, I'm going through a phase of insomnia, throwing kids who don't sleep. And I just was like, I just can't be bothered. And yesterday I did the bare minimum. I did the things I had to do. I turned up to the meetings I had to turn up to. And then I think it hit like half one and I was picking the kids up from school at three. And I thought, you know what? I'm done. I'm done at half one today. And her, her other thing that she always says is remember you're your own boss. Like, you know, and if that means you need a bit of time to just chill out, then take that bit of time because chances are you'll make it up somewhere else. You know, you might decide on a Saturday morning, actually, I'm going to crack on with work for an hour or so or in an evening, you know. So I think actually I'm better with this now of not beating myself up on the days where you're just not mentally there to turn up um, and you need a bit of time, especially I think as a parent, because you're always busy you know what I mean there's not really like any switch off time at all is there so sometimes for me my switch off times when they're in school I just need an hour occasionally to just be like right I just need to chill for an hour um before I can get my head in the game so yeah excessive kindness (laughs) you I mean I'm conscious of your time here but you mentioned your business coach a few times Mm -hmm. Are are you happy to share a bit about that yeah, so um, she's called Helen Calvert. Um, I've known her for several years and um, she's, I like coaching anyway, you know, and I think everyone should probably work with a coach. Um, but the one thing that really clicked with me working with Helen was, I mean, she calls herself like the no bullshit coach. It's, she's not all about the hustle and like, uh, how are you going to get as much done as you possibly can done and how are you going to make sure you're working 12 hour days or anything mm. like that it's about actually how are you going to reward yourself so one thing she'll say is like you know if we're working on something like right these are the things I'm going to get done so what are you going to do to reward yourself when you get those things done and I'll say oh I'll book in a massage then so and and things like that and it makes it's made a massive difference to my business actually because okay. now I will go yeah Sam you've worked really hard go on go and have a massage or snuggle up on the sofa and watch a film on your own or that one I never really do actually I'm not a film watcher but you know I will find something that's you know my reward for working really hard and getting that thing done um and I found that really really motivating um because there isn't anyone there to do it but us is there when you work for yourself there's no one going oh my god Sam thank you so much for doing an amazing job (laughs) here's a reward um and you know i've booked you know we've got a masseur coming in today you have a massage and no one's going to do that for you unless you do and she really taught me that that's okay um and we're all human and we're all going to have days where we go i just struggling to turn up today so factor that in do what you need to do and or go do you know i need a day off work around your needs so it might be actually that i go networking in the morning and i find it so hard and full-on yeah break myself through that barrier of networking that I actually need to take the afternoon off after because it's mentally drained me so much to break through that barrier so yeah she's been really useful for me was it was there a reason you went to her in the first place I already knew her we'd already spoke quite a lot on social media I knew people she knew um and I think then it was just more that it clicked in at the right time I had helped her launch her podcast I'd been the um you know, I'd been the, what's the word, presenter, I guess, on her podcast launch. And, oh, okay. and I don't, you know, we'd, we'd become friends really anyway. And then she said, oh, I'm going to run a group coaching, would, you know, do some group coaching. Would you like to be in my first group and give it a go? Yeah, absolutely. We'll try that out. So she kind of just sort of asked me at the right time. 
and then once the kind of the group coaching sessions finished said you want to carry on one-to-one so it was just a natural progression really and probably comes back to online networking because I'm pretty sure we met years ago on Twitter and have always chatted to each other okay Um, so yeah it's it's funny how the right people come into your life at the right time it is and you're not the first person to said that to me on this podcast strangely but yeah well, thank you for sharing. Uh, it's business coach. It's interesting. I think about it every now and again. I just, I sort of talk myself out of it. But I don't know. Maybe it's the answer. It's finding the right fit. I think yeah. you know. I, I think you could get a coach and just think, now this is doing nothing for me. Or you get one that goes, this is exactly what I needed at this moment. Yeah. So, um, but the one thing I love about coaching is accountability. And when they say like, what we're going, what you're going to get done by next time I see you. And I will always get that done. I will always tick that box of turning up at that session and go, here's what I did. And, and yeah. I got it all done. And here's the results of that. Um, so I love the accountability factor of, of coaching. No, makes sense. Makes sense, Sam. I'm going to let you go because we've, we've, <laughs> I'm very, like I said earlier, I'm pretty conscious of your time. Thank you for coming on this afternoon. Thank you for sharing everything you had. Where should I link to in the show notes if anyone wants to come and say hello and get in touch i mean social media is obvi- the obvious place so you can find me on linkedin um and instagram i'm sam flynn sm on instagram and also youtube i share a video every week on youtube and that is all focused on digital well-being at the moment so there's lots of different topics being covered on there so that is at sam flynn digital on youtube okay i will sh- i will link to all of those how are you Thank finding you youtube much. i love it and it's actually making me think I may as well just have a podcast because every week I'm recording and talking to camera. I well, may as well I saw, just strip the audio and start a podcast. <laughs> I saw, didn't you post earlier about starting a podcast? Yeah, yeah. I've put it on my list for this year, so I need to start really. What's, what's the barrier? Probably time. And then I, <laughs> I just think, you know, you're putting it. I think the thing is, though, my YouTube videos are maybe between five and 12 minutes long. And I think, I guess, for a podcast, you know, that could be the case. But I think they're probably better when they're a bit longer than well, that. Well, you say so. that. Do you know what you say that, actually? And I'm not sure I agree. I think yeah. someone told me that the optimum time for a podcast was 15 minutes. Okay, that's useful to know. That might that might reduce my barriers then. Yeah. I just I, start sh- stripping all the audio from the videos I've already done and I've got a podcast. I think, yeah, I, I'd probably give it a go because I think you'd yeah. be surprised. I mean, it's like, I mean, what were we now? An hour and 50. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it's. It, I used to, before I worked at home. We lived near London. I used to commute in every day, so I'd walk to the station. I'd get on the train. I'd walk from the train to the office, and then obviously back again. And that was my podcast time. And yeah. I used to consume so many. Yeah. Now, I, like it's a fraction. Yeah. So for me, listening to a two-hour podcast wasn't a big deal because I'd do it in like one day or yeah. you know two days max, kind of thing. And it's something I'm very conscious of where I'm, I, I love recording this podcast. And I love getting to meet new people like yourself. But then I look at the time and I'm like, oh, my God, how many people can listen to an hour and 50? <laughs> but, but they obviously but do. But they do, and right? Yeah, I listen to really long ones. Like you, I either chunk it up or it's like, you know, if I'm driving a long distance, whatever, yeah, yeah. I'll listen to it in one go. But often I'll chunk up a podcast through the week um, or have it playing while I'm working, depending on what I'm working on mm. um, and how much brain space I need while I'm working on it. Um, 
and also I listen to all podcasts in one and a half times so it wouldn't actually be that long no <laughs> um I listen to them in quicker speed to get more in so but yeah I think you're right there's a bit of a place for everything isn't there I think when you're doing interviews mm. long podcasts are great because yeah. you've got that bounce off of two people someone on their own talking for two hours would just not have the same impact no. um so yeah there's there's something to be thinking about there I think. yeah I, think. I wouldn't let it be a barrier if, you, if yeah. you're worried about time I think 12 minutes is probably perfect yeah I mean you'll soon work out right you'll put it out there and people either like it or they won't and then you only learn that by doing it yep done is better than perfect exactly (laughs) exactly I was going to say the same thing and that Sam is a great place to end I want to thank you so much for your time this afternoon thank you for having me that was thank you interview with Sam Flynn if you made it to the end thank you I hope you enjoyed it I'm assuming you did since you're still here I also hope you got some value out of it Um, If you did, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you want some brownie bonus points, uh, a rating or review on your favorite podcast provider would be hugely appreciated. Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at Thank You Interview everywhere you may look. That's all from me for now. Like I said, make sure you've subscribed wherever you are listening to this. And the next Thank You Interview episode will be live in your feed very, very soon. Take care. Bye.